Howdy, yo! Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. I'm Ben Fields. This is my podcast. Hope everybody's having a good kickoff to spring. I know we are. This is actually a dispatching to you from a camper in the Great Smoky Mountains. So if it sounds a little different, at least the intro, that's because we're in the Smokies. But the conversation took place back in Knoxville last week. So my guest this week is Rob Trent. Rob Trent is a director of photography in Los Angeles. He is a young man. He's what you might call a prodigy. He's making amazing pictures with a movie camera in the city where the best type of that work happens. But he was back home visiting some family. And so he came by the shop and we had a chat. Like I said, Rob is a young man and he's kind of new to the business, but he's very good. This is one of those chats where we talk a little shop. Talk about the the art and the craft of filmmaking, how different approaches to it yield different results. But talking to somebody who is kind of fresh and new to the industry and bringing a new approach to it is really invigorating and exciting. And so I'm glad we had this chat and I hope you guys enjoy it too. So, so here's my chat with my buddy, Rob Trent. We're doing the podcast. Feeling good? Dude, I'm feeling great. Does it sound all right? Yeah, yeah. it sounds good. Rob hey, Trent. Hey, y'all. In the house. Let's go. I pulled out the y'all like because this. this is a this is a Knoxville podcast. Yeah. Well, you're you're living in LA now, but where are you from originally? So I was born in South Carolina, Camden, South Carolina. Okay. Um, and then quickly, like a year and a half later, my family relocated to Redding, all the way Redding, California. All oh, the way up north. Yeah. Basically Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't feel like I got like the California kid upbringing because Redding, like, I like I've been in a coffee shop drive-through in Redding, and, and the car ahead of me was a horse, <laughs> and like there was a person on it, and I was like, what? Like, like those are the type of things that still happen in Redding. Where like obviously that would never happen in LA. It's it's still a little uh, like Western town. It's very yeah yeah exactly. Like you you still get like a lot of farmers. Yeah, like. We had like a country high school where they had to bring your tractor to school day. So like. That's not too far off from like, you know, the the uh, rural areas around here. Yeah, exactly. And like Knoxville's bigger than Redding. Really? But because it's in California, it's like, oh, it's it's California. And it's like. Yeah. Oh, well, well now you're back to the motherland living in LA. <laughs> the motherland. You like it? Dude, I do like it. And honestly. I was hoping I wasn't going to like it as much as I did. Really? Yeah, because my family's in Knoxville. Yeah. So it's like, my sister's had a baby. Like, I want to be here to, you know, be be with family. But like, I really like LA. Yeah. And my sister's going to listen to this and be like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> Come on <laughs> you home. You can't. Yeah, exactly. Like, my whole family, it's like constant, just like little feeding me things of like, hey, just don't like LA too much because you have to move back to Knoxville. And I'm like, oh, man. How long have you been in LA? Dude, I just crossed two years. Okay. Like two years and two days at this point. That's about how long I made it. I was out there for, really? for two years before I moved back. And that was, that was kind of, I hit the, I hit the uh, fish or cut bait moment. Right. It was like, am I going to live here forever or, or not? Gonna, yeah. And the guy that I went out there with, Josh Lowry, he's still there. He's been there 18, 19 years now. Wow. Killing it. Wow. Killing it. And loves it, and I would I would probably be like similar to him, a career dude who right. dug into something and really uh, found a I found a place for myself out there. But it was it was it was hard living for me. 
Yeah. You know, it was tough to make 500 bucks a week and, 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 you know, live in such a fast paced, tough city to live in. I was 19. And, and work your ass off for that $500 too. Yes. Like work so hard. But it's amazing how the hours that people keep out there just to be competitive. Yeah, man. Um, I, I've talked to, I talked to ad agency people who live out there and they're like, Hey man, if you're not there at eight in the morning and leaving at seven 30 at night, you're getting fired. Yeah. And it's just because there's somebody right behind you that's hungry and probably probably just as good as you. And it's willing to do it. Yeah. And they're going to be stoked. Yeah. And that's a good part and the bad part about California or, or LA, Southern yeah. California and the film industry and all that is, is that yes, there's all kinds of opportunity, but it's also very competitive. Right. Oh, extremely. Like it's really scary because like the, the second that you're like, you have, say you have a, a, a repeating client yeah, and you can't make it one week to their shoot. Yeah. And they find someone else, dude, they're going with that person for the rest of it. Sure. Like you're cut, you're done. And that's crazy because I, I, I talk to people about, uh, about having to make an A plus every time you do something. And yeah. it's like, that's a, and like being a parent, that is a tough expectation to have for your, for your kids, you know, to, to instill that in somebody of like, no, you got to be on your game all the time. You don't get to take any days off. Yeah. Like that, but that, I think that was where I came up with that mentality was, in LA where if you if you're not there if you make a B minus one day the A plus guy that took up for you is going to be the guy that that gets it next time exactly i mean like and especially like being on like a few weeks ago i had like 316s 212s and then hour days 312s yeah like it was 8 days where i worked like 96 hours in a week right with um, a smile on your face with I'm a sure. smile on my face and i was yeah. stoked but like imagine if i had like a big like focus pulling job on the ninth day and mm. I showed up and I was so just tired like from getting one hour sleep for the last eight nights that like my focus was bad yeah and then like I'd never get to work with that production company ever again right you know what I mean yeah you do your job at 90% efficiency or 90% proficiency and it wasn't good enough yes uh the the movie the uh funny money that dvd over there yeah uh it was a chevy chase movie and I was I was actually talent in that film <laughs> Due to what? Yeah, in 2005. And uh, I was working for the production company that produced it, and it it was a pickup day. And they had me come in and do uh, and be like and have a a, like a featured extra role on on the pickup day. And we were sitting at the studios in Santa Clarita, and uh, we were doing the same scene pretty much all day. It was like five or six pages, though. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot of uh, dialogue. Right. And after lunch, we came back and I noticed, I was like, that's a different dude on the dolly operating the camera. That's a no. different dude pulling focus. That's a different dude loading film. And they'd fired the camera crew at lunch and gotten a new camera crew in. In an hour. In an hour. Like, that's how competitive it oh, can be. my God. Yeah. Yeah, and Dude. the the DP on that was Bill Butler, the guy who was the DP on Jaws. Whoa, so, yeah, and and so it's like even at your highest game, like no matter who recommends you or or how good you are, like it's still if you're not doing a perfect job, the word only goes so far. You might get sacked, Dude. <laughs> I I had that happen really? one time where like there there was a guy and I was just like shooting some bts and i knew a little bit more i was like this is like my first ever shoot that wasn't one day you were shooting behind the scenes footage for a shoot yeah i was shooting bts and they were like oh you know a little bit more than this other pa we had like a little bit more 
the the tiniest bit. We're sending him home. Do you want his Do you want his day rate for the next three days? And I was like, <laughs> Yes, but like also no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Poor guy. Um, yeah, poor guy. And like super cool. Dude. And like I've worked with them more. Like just everyone is uh, super cool, but they were like, Hey, we just we're done with. We, we have enough BTS, but like, you want to keep working? You know how to put up this light. That's how I got my first gig. Actually, was um. Well, the first gig I got was as a production assistant on uh, a show called Mr. Romance that was on Oxygen Network. And so my first gig as a PA, I'd Uh never, I moved out to LA. I was working at Subway. Okay. (laughs) Hey, hey, no hate on Subway. No hate at all, man. I was doing what it took to pay the bills, right? Yeah. And, and so, uh, uh, this girl I was dating, her, her friend got me a job on this reality TV show and I was a PA. My first day, I show up to set. They're like, you're going to be driving Transpo. You're I was like, like oh, okay. No. <laughs> yeah. So my first part of the day is picking up Fabio. You know who that is? The the whole lo- long hair, oh. uh, like like super sexual man <laughs> deal. I pick him up first thing, my first day on set. I'm like, is this show business? Is this... Is this show? I guess I'm. I guess I made it. This is it. Yeah. yeah. I guess I made it. I'm making a hundred dollars on a sixteen-hour day. Man, I've made it. Oh. And uh, and so, uh, my my, I worked that job for like two weeks, and I just busted my ass. I just worked really hard. So hard. Yes. Yeah. And and the production company that was putting that whole deal on, at the end of that, ended up asking me to be a staff production assistant for their production company. I worked my way up. I was a production coordinator there before I ultimately moved home. But it was the thing of like, somebody notices that you're working hard and that you're doing the thing and that you're doing it with a smile. Yes. Too. You're not bitching about stuff. You're, you're happy to be there. Yeah. And then, you and know, you're they, not annoying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, hey. read the room, know when to shut up. Like exactly all, all that. And then, you know, I, I worked there for almost two years as a, as a staff, you know, production assistant, but it's the yeah. same, it's the same thing of like people notice, when you're doing a good job and then you get fast tracked. Yeah. Like it, like that's exactly what happened to me too. That PA gig was my first gig with this, this production company. And now it's like, it's like once a week I'm getting hit up by someone from that initial team to work. Really? Yeah. It's like, it's once a week. And usually it's like, not just one day. It's like, Hey, I need you for four days or like, I need you for six days. And it's like, just from that one that was like, I PA and like knew how to put up a 600 D. Yeah, I didn't even know how to put up a 600D. I yeah. was just like, yes, and I'll figure it out. Yeah. Dude, I feel like that's the biggest part of like of like moving up quickly. It's like, saying yes. It's just saying yes. And like- Throwing yourself in the deep end? Just like throw yourself in, man. Like obviously if someone's like, hey, can you swap this sensor on like my red Monstro? You're like, okay, no. I don't yeah. know how to do that. I don't know how to take a camera apart and put it back together. Right, exactly. Like I'm a PA. Yeah. Okay, like ask me to go get a C-stand. You know, yeah. <laughs> like- but like if someone's like, hey, can you put up that light? And like it's not some crazy HMI that you need to rig to the ceiling, like you're putting it up on a C stand or a combo stand. Like you should do your YouTube watching before. Yeah, make sure you don't kill anybody. Yeah, make sure you don't kill anybody. Yeah. But like if you kind of have an idea of like maybe what you needed to do and you have a history of like being able to figure things out, yeah. Like just say yes. There is a little bit of fake it till you make it that's dangerous though. Yes. You know? Yeah. But and because safety is a big deal on set too. Yeah. With absolutely. with filmmaking. Because you know, you're dealing with heavy stuff, you're yeah. dealing with weather, you're dealing with all kinds of un uh, uh, things that are out of your control. Absolutely. And there is like there there is some stuff that you can really get in trouble with. I don't know if do you you may this may have been before you got into the business, but like do you remember the um 
the Greg Allman documentary in Georgia that was shooting uh, on the railroad tracks. And uh, yes. Have you heard about that? Yeah. And it was like, it was a non-union crew, which is the big thing that everybody from LA will say is like, right. oh, those people from Atlanta don't know what they're doing. Uh, but they, you know, that everybody was just kind of fake it till you make it kind of. Right. And then, you know, they, they, they were shooting on a railroad track that they were not supposed to be shooting on because they asked for permission. Norfolk Southern or CR or the, Ooh, is that thunder? Dude. Ooh, it's, it's loud. That loudy, loud. But they, they were told they couldn't shoot on those railroad tracks. They did it anyway. Oh. A train came by while they had a bed laying over a, a river or a ravine or something. And everybody had to scatter, get cameras, get everything off the railroad tracks. Right. And the train hits the bed. You know, the the girl, the second camera assistant ended up dying because right. of it. And people ended up in jail over it. The, the producer and the assistant director, I'm pretty sure, ended up going to jail because of that, you know, fake it till you make it mentality. But it was too much. Like that thunder. God, that's a little loud, too dude. much. <laughs> that might be a thunderstorm out there. Oh, baby. dude, it's for sure a thunderstorm. Maybe a D tornado. Dude, there's a tornado warning right now. Is there? Or like an advisory where it's like, eh, eh you know. <laughs> But, clean out your bathrooms just in case <laughs> just in case you got to get in there and cover your cover your brain stem. exactly yeah but that but that is like uh there's this like hunger and i think you know the the competitiveness of the film industry and the competitiveness of the market of los angeles too breeds that a little bit yeah of like yeah 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 i can do it yeah i can do it yeah i can do it even if you can't right yeah but like safety becomes the the thing that you have to worry about it can be sacrificed as you try to make your way up kind of yeah. and yeah. that's kind of where you can tell the pros from the yeah. from everybody else but also there's like a little bit of overcorrection too of like some key grips are like oh i'm not doing that that's dangerous i'm like dude i'm asking you to move that light like a half a step over that way right you don't right. need to walkie five guys in yeah you, you don't need to do crank that. this back down like yeah. it's like come on bro like yeah. push the stand yeah <laughs> It's on wheels. Unlock yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> Unlock the wheels. So you've been in LA for two years. How'd you end yeah. up there? Okay. So uh, I've been a musician all my life okay. since like fourth grade, whatever, whenever you start in, you know, in middle school. Guitar? Uh, trombone is what I started on. Or were you in the band? In I the was. Middle school band? I was a band kid. I love it. Yeah. So I started there and continued all the way through. Um, and then I was like, dude, I don't know what I want to do when I was like, senior in high school and then i was like oh you know what i'll go be a music producer sounds fun and okay. so i was like am i and you know all my parents have a higher education background both my sisters have gone through college and are you know have all these things and i was like okay well i guess i need to get a degree yeah. so um i went to belmont in nashville yeah for audio engineering great school great school for that too right <clears throat> yes and music business is yes. supposed to be awesome music, for that, too. I would say music business is their best thing. I'm going to start on this, too. Yeah. Um, Modelo. Modelo. Sponsored. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so I went to Belmont for a year, and like six months in, I was like sitting in these classes with like people who had never touched a, a, a DAW, like an audio yeah, editor. Yeah, digital audio workstation. Yes, exactly. Like yeah. they had never touched Pro Tools in their life. They had never touched Logic in their life. Like they didn't know that like R was record in Logic. Like they didn't, mm. they didn't know how to record. And I was like, 
But you'd already been dealing with this stuff? Yeah, like I had already been. As a musician, you had already started making stuff in yeah. high school and you knew how to work the programs that recorded exactly. music. Exactly. Like I already had songs that had been, that I'd put up on on iTunes and other stuff for Was SoundCloud for a thing at the time? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But like I had already had like artists come to me, get engineered and mixed and then put it on Apple Music. You know what I mean? So okay. like I had already done the process and not to a you know, professional level by any means. But you I had was waited, like 17. You had waded through it and you had done the yeah, thing. Yeah, I had done the research. And so you walk in and step one of this process uh, or, or people trying to teach you this process and you already, you were 10 steps ahead already. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. And like, not to say I didn't learn anything. Right. Like, but the, man, this rain is yeah. going insane right rain now. Rain is super loud. It is so loud. I dig it. <laughs> it's like ambient, chill, like people are going to be going to sleep to this. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, <laughs> get those plays. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I like I was in these classes with people who didn't even know how to record their first audio track. And like definitely not to say that I knew everything or I knew what I was really even doing because there were, were, were professionals that were going to teach me how to do it the professional way. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and but so, you were ahead of the curriculum a little bit. I was ahead of the curriculum by like two years okay so like basically i was just like i think that this is like this isn't getting me a lot but maybe i'll stick around and then i learned that the last class like i was like okay maybe next year i'll be able to like get an internship and then i found out that the last class of your four years at belmont was was to get an audio engineering internship Mm. and i was like i think that i could maybe get an internship now Really? And so like I like thought that and I was like, man, maybe I should maybe I should do that. I called a few people and then I like I sat down in my folding lawn chair in my dorm room. In the middle of my dorm room there was a folding lawn chair. And I opened Instagram and the first thing that popped up was an Instagram post from someone who had produced a friend's record in LA and it said like intern spot open. And I was it's like It's almost like they're listening to you. It's almost like they're listening <laughs> to you. And I was like I was like, okay God Sure. Like, yeah. All right. So I just like called my parents right then and I was so scared. I was like, I, I, I want to drop out of college. And oh, they were like, sure. they were like, yeah, absolutely. I was like, wait, wh- <laughs> wait, what? so your parents who very much value education, yes, you've got two siblings who have done the school thing exactly, and have, have made hay in the, in, in the, in the world of academia. Exactly. And then they've got the little brother, little musician brother, the, the, the artistic brother. Yeah, exactly. Who calls and says, I want to drop out of, out of school. school. And your parents said, okay. They were like, they, they, I think that they expected it. I like it. I think that like, I, like that. I was expecting to get roasted. Yeah. I was like, no way I'm making it out of this conversation without a little emotional damage. Right. Yeah. Like there's no, <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm. And then both my parents were just like, yeah, like great. If you think you can do it, do it. And I was like, Oh, all right. So I like, I hit the guy up and like it went through. And so like in the middle of COVID, I moved to LA. It's like I was at Belmont. This was like, uh, February, it shuts down in of March 2020? of 2020. Yeah. Okay. And then shuts down in March. And I was like, shoot, I got to go home. So I went to Reading and did the online, did the internship online for like six months and then moved down to, um, moved down to, uh, LA. And I actually, I, maybe I only did it for a month online. And then I, I guess I moved down in April. 
So oh, wow. if I only did it for a month online, it felt like so much longer. Really? COVID really screwed up my perception of time. Man. Yeah. It I, seems both like 10 years and 10 seconds. And like 10 seconds. Exactly. Yeah. It's really weird. But so, yeah. yeah. So apparently I did, I, apparently only one month. And then I moved down to LA, worked for him for like seven months. And then- Where was this place? This was in Pasadena. Okay. Yeah. And what kind of, what kind of, was it a recording studio? It was, so he was an independent producer and he had a studio in his house. Okay. Um, and so I got so to I'm do sure that. he was hungry for some help too. Yeah. And exactly. especially good help. People that know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. People who are already interested and like have that fire for it. Um, and so can I, run the tech. Exactly. Can run the tech. Like I could run my own sessions yeah. without problem. Um, so I got down there, did that for six months. And then I got to work for another guy. Um, his name is Dave Way, and he's a super cool guy. He's he's more on the like, how old is he? He's he's, he's like in his fifties. Okay. And like he he like got to do like the the album that Thriller's on for Michael Jackson. Like oh yeah, like a legend in the audio industry. And like I got hooked up through him by working at this church that the first guy worked at. So I worked with Dave. Um, for a few months and like just during the whole like six months and I think like three months I worked for Dave, I would like be sitting in these awesome recording studios like Henson, like recording with these awesome, awesome artists and awesome bands. Mm. And I was like, dude, I don't really like this. Really? Like, even though like I was in this incredible environment, like Henson's one of the best recording studios in the world. Okay. And I was like, I don't want to be here. Really? So you kind of, you kind of almost realized your dream in a in like hyperspeed yes like got to where you wanted to be within a few months yeah yeah and said okay i'm in the chair engineering a session yeah or like i was usually assistant engineering or whatever you know but like yeah and and you said wait a second this is not like this this is not exactly what i'm loving no and and that's that was the hard part because like i thought it's exactly what i wanted did you did you have that moment in your head of like, oh shit, I've got to tell my parents I messed yes, up? Yes, exactly. Did you have that? Dude, and that was why I was so scared. I was like stressing, <laughs> man. And like I actually like it affected me for like for like a month. Really? Where I was like low-key pretty depressed. Cause I was like, I really? don't know what to do. Cause like My I, dream I is a nightmare. School. Yeah, exactly. I don't like this. I went to school for this. I moved to LA for this. And now I hate it. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, crap, dude. I have to tell my parents that like, and and it's just like this thing where it's like, okay, I didn't go to, I dropped out of college for this Mm. and now I don't like it. Man, you'd have been a hell of a millennial. Right? (laughs) 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 And so I'm like, oh man, I got to tell my parents that like, like, I I don't think I failed, but like in my head, I was like, I failed. Really? Yeah, it was bad. Like, I think I'm just like very um, results- or, or like you know yeah gratification oriented yes exactly like i want to see results and like yeah. i had gotten the results and it didn't do it wow and like i didn't like it and i was like i kind of hate like i kind of hate what i'm doing right now so what would you do did you say okay i've got a couple options i can eat crow <laughs> and go back to school for something else but i have it's no business yeah music business back at yeah Belmont. exactly or yeah, what was your what was your like thought process of how to get out of that mess? Okay, so thank the Lord, I had I had taken a job working at this church that the first producer I worked for worked at, mm. um, and I was doing I was doing media for them because like I had done photography in Nashville and done photos for a few years and like kind of knew what I was doing with a camera, and like I had watched YouTube on video like on how to do film before like how to do video, um, and they were like, hey, we need a live stream because it's the middle of COVID and our ah. live stream looks like crap. And people aren't watching it. And I was like, 
I think I could watch enough YouTube videos to like make this work. So, so I did. And like me and this guy, like the producer I worked for before, like kind of scrapped it together and made a, made a, uh, a live stream for this church. We used like the black magic six K's and had an ATM switcher and all these things that kind of were prosumer, I guess yeah. you could say, yeah. um, you know, film cameras. And, um, I started getting into it and having fun with it. And like, I'd always loved photo. At one point I thought about dropping out of college to do photo. Um, and then I didn't obviously for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I did that. And then I got hired for my first music video from an artist that I knew. Just that from I had worked doing, with in the music industry. Okay. Just so, from doing video at this church. From doing live live switching type stuff. Yes, and, exactly. So you knew your way around a camera. And like and, some social media stuff for the church and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, I had knew her. I, I had known her while I worked in the music industry. And then she she also sang at the church sometimes. So it was like, oh, video guy. And I was like, yeah, we're already friends. Um, Make and a so, video for me. Yeah, exactly. Not in, And in her mind, she's like, okay. He knows how to use a camera. I'm sure he knows how to tell a story and light a scene. Which I had no idea how to right. do. Zero clue. Right. You'd watch YouTube enough to to figure yeah. out how to get a camera to power on. I was like, I know what a softbox is, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, um, and then I got hooked up with a buddy of mine, Tudor Williams, and he had been in video for, for a few years longer than me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pull Tudor onto this because <coughs> he has more experience than I do. And he knows what he's doing. Oh, you did the smartest thing ever. You found somebody who knew what they were doing. Knew what they were doing. Yes. And worked with somebody better than you. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so learned. I, so lucky. Um, Tudor, if you're listening to this, love you. Thanks, he lives, thanks bro. Thanks, bro. <laughs> um, he lives like 0.3 miles away from me. So mm. I see Tudor all the time. He's great. Um, and so I pulled Tudor on and like I got paid like maybe $500 to do this music video that was like a two-day shoot. That's a heck of a deal. Right? Yeah. Right? And I was like... For her. For her, absolutely. <laughs> um, and and then I was like, wait, I'm getting paid $10 an hour to work at this church, and I get paid $250 every two weeks, and then I just made $500 in one day. I was like... Or, you know, really like probably two days. Yeah. And I was like, Huh. This this video business is lucrative. I was like, that's uh, that's more money than I've made in the past month. Yeah. So this is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay. Um, and then I continued to get hired for a few things here and there. So you did a good job with the video, I guess. Yeah. Did you I, edit it? Yourself? So I actually directed it. Directed. <laughs> just right out of just right out of the gate. Dude, I had no idea what I was doing. But the thing was, is that I was self conscious about my camera work. So I was like, I'll just say I'm directing. And let somebody else do, and, and let, let Tudor else. do the camera work. Exactly. So My actually, man. wait, did we even? I think maybe we actually hired another guy because we were both self conscious about our camera work. Our buddy Evan, yeah, and Evan DP'd it, and we co-directed it. That's nice. how it happened. I love it because we were both like, we don't know what we're really doing. Talk you about know, fake like, it till you make dude, it, dude. Faking it so hard. How'd it turn out? And it turned out fine. Yeah. Okay, so here's the one thing that happened. Um. Somehow in the DIT process. Do you lose footage? Dude, we lost every piece of footage except for the proxies. Oh, bummer. Everything. So, so like the you proxies low got resolution. Trans- exactly. Low resolution. 720p, 8-bit. Hmm. And low bit rate. You know yeah. what I mean? Like low, 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 low bit rate. Yeah, and it, would it, be like, like, it would be like having a JPEG exactly. like, version. Trying you- to edit a JPEG. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So um, 
And so the, basically the proxies got transferred twice instead of a main and a proxy. Mm. And it was only in one location. Because I didn't know, we didn't know what we were doing. I so didn't think do? I wasn't doing DIT. Did you reshoot it? No. You just, Dude, it was great. The video's up with the proxies. I love it. And it has like, it has like 40,000 views. That's perfect. <laughs> it's like, we like made it all filmy, like put a, like a one by one overlay on it, like a film overlay. Yeah. And it like looked like a little bit crappy, like film does sometimes. Hey man, I, I am a big fan of call it art and charge more for it. Exactly. Yeah. That dude. Amen. <laughs> amen. From the back of the church. Amen. <laughs> dude, that's exactly what it was. And so, um, we did that and then we got a few more things. But now and, you're a director. Yeah. But now I'm a director. <laughs> And, and Air like, quotes. I hate directing, man. Yeah. I hate it. I really like a little secret between me and you, yeah. and uh, and for the entire internet. Yeah, I I hate telling people what to do. It's a hard thing to do, but the way Dude. I get I get around it is I get excited about it. Yeah, and I make people want to uh, get as excited as I am and help us achieve a goal together. Right. Like that's been my goal. Yes. So that's been my workaround. It's not like, Hey, walk over here. It's like, what if we, (laughs) I think this might look better. (laughs) If we, (laughs) (laughs) you're like making it the group mentality instead of you. That's my only way around it because I really don't like telling people what to do. Yeah. It's a hard thing. I I can't do it when I'm directing. If I'm DPing something, no problem. Really? Take a step this way. Yeah. Take a step. Hey, can you find your light, please? Exactly. I'm yeah. like, I'm like looking at the AC. I'm like, focus. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's do this thing. Like, yeah. I'm like, I, like I have no problem. And I think it's because I know more of what I'm doing. Mm. Like, I'm not the person that's like, you know, I think that your emotion in that shot, like, I think we can pull a little bit more, like a little deeper instead of a higher energy. And like, you acted too much with your eyebrows. Like, yeah, I just, that's not, your, not your game to get into that minutia. Exactly. It's not my game. And that's, and I think that's, I think that's good because like, I'm not going to have some like crazy stance with a director. That's like, no, nah, I think you're wrong about this person's performance. Right. I don't care. Yeah, like I, I do. I, obviously, I care a little bit. Like, well, do you think it, it? Do you think it comes from like the technical nature of coming from the sound world and moving over into the video world? Which, by the way, I want to talk about because I think that is a big thing. Huge of people doing coming from this technical sound world and moving over to the film world yes. and having a pretty easy like handshake of those two transition worlds. over dude i agree 100 but do you think that's do you think that's kind of where it comes from is is like being more comfortable with the technical side and, and being able to communicate about about technical more than like ethereal uh emotion absolutely. type stuff absolutely have you ever produced records before or has it always been like engineering stuff yeah so i've i've assistant produced stuff Okay. Um, is that more like directing? Like if you're if you're trying like, hey man, can can you back off of that guitar a little bit? Or is is that kind of how you would equate the two disciplines together? I still think it's more technical. The producing is still more technical. Yeah, because like even if you're talking to um the vocalist, right? You're doing a vocal session and you want like a more rhythmic you know, like when they're talking or like when they're singing, instead of like slurring all those together. Mm-hmm. It's still, have, it's still a technical direction that you're giving them. Cause you're like, okay, we need a one E and a, like we need 16ths. And mm. so like, we, you don't want to slur them. We need like pretty staccato 16ths. Yeah. Um, and so you're still like, you're breaking down these like time signatures, like all these things in your mm. head to relay to the artist. Gotcha. 
Um, so I still think it's more, I, th- I think it's more technical. Directing is like so emotion, emotion. Um, you really, I feel like you have to be an empath. Yeah. You, I feel like you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I guess so. I think to be a good one, you probably do. And I, I think you also have to divorce yourself from all the technical stuff mm-hmm. because with like you listen to Ron Howard or any other director who has done big, 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 big stuff. And they'll, they'll tell you that if you have 10, 10 takes of the same, uh, of, of, of the, of the same performance, lighting be damned. I don't care if a light turned off in the middle of, of, of the delivery of, yeah. of a, of a talent's delivery of a line. Like if the emotion was great with that, if that was the performance you were looking for, that's the one you take. You right. you don't take the technically perfect thing. You take the one that evokes the most emotion. You take the one that's the most evocative. Right. Cause the story is the most important part. That's bar none. What, what that's one way of thinking about it. Yeah. And those are the guys who, who make the good stuff. And, and that's a, but I, I think it's hard, at least for me, because I come from, I come from the world of, uh, I come from the camera world, but also the acting world. And mm. so like, I, I, I've, I'm paying attention to the technical still. I cannot divorce myself from the technical. Mm-hmm. You know, if they missed if they missed stepping into their light, but they delivered the line the best the best of the ten takes, like I, I probably like am gonna be conflicted. Let's do one a, more. Yeah. Or about which one to take. Right. Because I've got that technical lean, you know, yes. where really it, it's really about it's really about the emotion. It, and and it is I don't know. I think I think it is two completely separate disciplines that when you step into like a director DP role, which I do a lot, yeah, I yeah, have yeah. to do both of those things a lot. And for me, it becomes um, it becomes hard to it becomes hard to like bifurcate your focus to like to to be okay with both things at the same time at the, on the same take because yeah. it very rarely happens perfectly on both. The technical side and the performance side, and you have to lean one way or the other. Yeah, you can't give 100% to both. Yeah. And, like, honestly, you can't even give 50-50 to both. Mm. You have to lean one direction. Right. And so it's like, which one is, which one's the way? Yeah. And and that's, I think that's a little bit of a tough part about, like, the marketplace we're in here uh, in town is that, you know, sometimes I have to do both of those roles because, you know, bud- there. budget constraints. Yeah. Or because uh, because somebody wants me to do both of those things, right? And it's just it's. I think when you split those things up, you do yourself a lot more. Serv- uh, you do yourself, you don't do yourself a disservice. And also having having people focused on one job is the best way to get the 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 the, the best out of your you know the best product possible. Absolutely. So so can you divorce yourself from being a director and just DP? Yeah. You can, but you can't go the other direction of divorcing yourself from being a DP. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I can totally leave directing to the side. Yeah. But like, it's like my nature is technical. Yeah. Well, with technical, it's, it's binary. It's like, this is, this is right for what I want. Right. This is not right. And then, and with, with, with performance, with, with actors performance, it's very subjective. Like, do I like this? And, and that's what they're hiring me to, to say is yes, this was the right one. This is the thing I need to tell the story. I'm the ambassador of the story. I'm the keeper of the story as the director. This is right for me. Right. Might be wrong for you. But it might be wrong for everybody else. But yeah, it doesn't matter. Unless you're the executive producer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They can tell me to do whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, hey, yeah, you're paying my bills this month. Exactly. (laughs) 
but sure. but yes, as a director, like it, it's it it's also a little bit more pressure, I think, because you are the one that's having to give the thumbs up and say, yes, that's right. This is what I need to tell the story. I can tell the story in the edit with this. Yes, and with with DPing for me, uh, it is it's still subjective. But I'm just a little more certain because I work with really strong gaffers. Yeah. I'm more certain that my thing is is right because I have people backing me up. It's like this was our thing working together as a team. Right. This is the thing that we thought was right. And we all agree that this is right. And therefore it is. And therefore it is. Like, I, I think people get hung up on that a lot where they're like, oh, yeah, I don't post my work. Just I don't think it's good enough or whatever. And I'm like, it's right. Because you said it was right. You did it. Yeah. And it's like, now, obviously, like if you underexpose by eight stops and you can't pull it back and sure. it looks like crap. Yeah. Okay. Well, you did it wrong. Yeah. But like but- if you're within this like huge margin, you did it right. Sure. Exactly. And, and then with directing, it's a little more like, uh, you know, like nobody tells, it tells an artist that they, that, uh, a painter. Yeah. That they did the wrong thing. No. You know, because they art. Yes. And they felt like it was right. And so it was. I love that. And like, you got to take it into consideration. Like, obviously it can be wrong, but like, dude, do your thing. Hmm. Like, and you know, obviously like, I think that's on like the low level of the film industry where it's like, okay, you're working with like small budgets under 5,000, whatever. And it's like, okay, you can kind of do whatever. And then like, if you like what I've heard from people that have like deep stuff for Nike. They're like, dude, I didn't have any creative voice. Like there was an agency that gave me a shot list and mm-hmm. there was an executive producer from the agency and I executed their shot list. Sure. And with a mood board. With a mood like, board. Light it like this. Yeah. That's like, uh, we want a sky panel four to one contrast ratio. You're like, all right. <laughs> On it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, apparently I just operate today. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, obviously you, you call some shots because it can't be perfect, but yeah. And that's um, fine too. Like there, there are those, there, uh, those jobs where everybody has pre proed the hell out of everything so much. Right. And they're not going to, they're not going to divert from that plan. So you push a little bit, you push as yeah. hard as you can because you want to feel important. You want to feel like you were hired for a reason. Yeah. And you try to push and put your stamp on it as much as you can. Absolutely. And, and you go as far as you can without pissing people off. You know, yeah. uh, you, you get to a point where uh, where you're kind of carrying out somebody else's plan. And that's fine, too. Yeah. That's awesome. That makes you a good technician also, I think. I mean, it's more on the technical. Sure. It's like, make got to make it work for yourself. So uh, why is it that, like, man, Sam, that produces this podcast, Mike Deering. Shout who, out, Sam. Yeah, boy. Mike Deering, uh, that uh, it works with me a lot as a very great DP. Uh, sound engineers, they came from that world. They, yeah. They're manual readers. They read, they read the Pro Tools manual. They read the manual on this microphone right here. Right. They read, they, they know the tech inside and out. And for them, they pick up a camera and it's like, oh, so I need to do F-stop shutter angle and ISO to get what exposure. Like, okay. Okay. I got three? that. Okay. Yeah. It's like people go to school for 10 years or not 10 years, but people go to film school, photography school oh, yeah. to understand these basic con- or basic concepts that I feel like people that come from your world in the audio engineering world, it's just like, for some reason, it just makes sense and it's second nature and it's easy. Like, what is it about 
audio engineering and sound stuff that makes the step to video second nature or seem easy. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's my thing. Hot take. Every union guy is going to be pissed. Audio is way harder than video. Really? Oh my God. Why? Because there's no right or wrong. Okay. It's like, okay, you're putting up, you're doing, you're miking a guitar. Okay. There are 50 million ways to mic a guitar. Mm. Like, okay, do I want to use this mic on the, um, you know, on the neck to pick up more some texture and I'm going to put this mic uh, on the sound hole at 14 degrees away from the sound hole with two feet away because it's a two to one ratio so that the phase is in. And it's like all these things that like that make something correct or like, ah, man, maybe I'm not saying this right. But like so it with audio, is it just when you're recording music, especially? Yeah. Is it just it's super easy to tell when something's wrong? I think so. When something's not right? I, I think so. And. And also, there's like so much to a frame. You know what I mean? There's so much going on in a frame. With video? With video. Okay. Like you have your subject. You have the light on your subject. You have how much they're from the front and the, you know, how how much they're separated from the background. What's going on in the background? How much light is in the background? All these things that like- Distract you from the thing. Exactly. Whereas like an audio track, dude, you can press solo. And like- Oh, okay, I'm listening to the snare drum and like there's a oh. little bit too much buzz and I recorded this ah, and it's done. So when you say you can press solo, you mean you can literally pull each piece of every single microphone you can listen to by itself. Right. So it would be like just being able to take the actor's face yes. out of a scene and just watch it and, and be like, is that right? That. Is that wrong? Yeah, exactly. You're like, is that right or wrong? And then and then you have to put it back in. Mm. And do it with the whole mix or the whole frame, and be like, it's like it's like keying out a face and uh, with like coloring. So like you're you're coloring a project, and you can key out their skin tone and like yeah. pull it any way you want. But it's like you left everything else out, so you could only see their skin, and yeah. then you put it back into the image, and you're like, oh, it doesn't fit. Mm. It doesn't look like the rest of the shot. Mm. So there's just like so, so everything much is hyper scrutinized. Yes. Is that what it is? Hyper scrutinized and um, so some music tracks might be a hundred. Some music uh, uh, records like sessions, yeah, yeah, might be a hundred tracks of different sounds and different things and all that. Oh, and dude, a hundred minimum. Really? Oh my gosh, yeah. And you can listen to each one of them, and each one of them can get scrutinized. Yeah, okay. yeah, and if it's off by like literally point two seconds, then it's wrong. Because because of phase, it's mathematics. It's mathematical. So like the, you know how si- you know like a sine wave. Like yeah. it middle. Go back to middle school in your brain. You have the sine wave. Yeah. So that's what audio looks like. You know. Yeah. And, but like, if you have one that like the rise, the top of it is at the bottom of another mic that's on the same subject, they, they cancel out. Ah, is that the null? Yeah, it's like it, it's just called being out of phase, and it like literally it cancels it out. So you just lose. You lose part of it. It would be like watching a movie, but a certain color goes away. Yeah, exactly. Like green, gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, and like, obviously you can flip phase. It's really, it's one button, but like, it's never exactly on. It's a little bit off. So, so then there's no way to fix it. And like, you're like, oh man, I messed up my, I didn't check my phase. And you know, you can get into the nitty gritty of it, but like people adjust mics by like an inch. 
And so do you think sound, did we land on like math? Yeah. Math. Like math versus subjectivity ultimately. Yeah. I think so. Like looking at an image, a movie, you can be like, oh, I don't like that because it looks wrong. But with, with sound, it It just is, it is wrong because it's mathematically incorrect, which means it sounds wrong to our ear. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So, so, so sound guys really do work in like kind of a black and white, like this is technically right or this is technically wrong world. So the threshold of like, of your craft becomes really learning the right way to do something and sticking, sticking to it. Yeah. And there is gray. Don't get me wrong. Like in sound, there's gray. Yeah. There's a gray area, but like, there's like a little tiny bit of gray in the sound industry. And, and there's like this big amount of gray where it becomes art in the Mm. film industry. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So many people have different lighting techniques, different lights, different things. Like there's so many things that are different. Whereas like, like in, in in sound, it's just like, I mean, it's so much, I I don't even know how to explain it. It's so much smaller and more scrutinizable. Is that a word? Sure. I just made it a word. I think it's right. Sounds right. (laughs) It can be scrutinized much easier. Um, yeah, I think it's like, I think it's the math less like a little bit less pressure on most things like obviously if you're a union guy working on a episodic television and you have to get a page done every 30 minutes mm. well then it's obviously super high pressure but yeah. um I, I just i think it's i think it's easier in a, in a lot of ways film is yeah yeah and, and that's like i don't mean to hate on the film industry i love the film industry yeah like it's my shit yeah well, I, I love it man do you like it because it has more wiggle room in it and because you have more opportunity to actually make something that's you? I think so. Is that it? I think so. And also like now granted if you're an editor this isn't true, but like I get to work with my <coughs> friends. Like I just got hit up by like two of my best friends for the next week. I'm working with my best friends for like 4 days next week. And it's like awesome. It, so you like also the collaborative spirit of it? Absolutely, man. That's my favorite part about – I think that is actually what got me into filmmaking. Like I came from an acting background when I was a kid yeah. in, in, in high school, college, all that. Did you acting. do any child acting? I did, yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh-huh. That's actually – I met a lot of the people that I work with now that are older and in the game, 50 years old. And yeah. I met them when I was 12 or 13 years old as a child actor. That's incredible. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> like there's, 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 there's a mass beta masters out there of, of me on a, a lip shaped couch for an HGTV, uh, romance week commercial. And I, and I, people see it and they're like, I worked on that. Dude, you've been with HGTV your entire life. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. They're around. Right. Right. They were around right. when I in nineteen ninety seven when I was a kid actor and getting wow. modeling jobs and stuff. And so I ended up like when I came back to Knoxville in two thousand nine as a filmmaking individual. Yeah. I started running into the people that were working those projects, which at the time was only 
10 or 12 years earlier. Wow. True. Right. Yeah. So I'd already worked with a lot of these people, but I was a kid when I worked with them. Right. It's it's kind of nuts. <laughs> Their finance department was like, bro, we already have your W9. Don't worry. Exactly. <laughs> your no. social security number hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We Dude, still got it. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is. Wow. Uh, okay. I, so, I have a question for you. Okay. I have a question. I know this is flipping the script because no, I'm asking you okay. a question. Okay. No. Do we so, need to change chairs? <laughs> <laughs> change mics, yeah. throw off Sam's EQ just like completely. Yeah. Um, okay. So working with union guys, you're non-union, right? Correct. There's, there's no union in Knoxville. Tennessee, there there is. Oh, okay. But Tennessee is a right to work state. So we can okay. mix union and non-union crews on shoots. As long as- That's awesome. As long as the union does not pick it, uh, a shoot, we everybody can work together. If the union pickets a shoot and the union is, uh, uh, protests working conditions or whatever it is, then all of the union people on the shoot cannot work on that. Got Does it. that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for instance, I was on a shoot in Dayton, Tennessee, 10 years ago. Okay. It was a mixed, mixed crew, union, non-union, and the union came down from New York uh, because it was, it was actually a political thing. It was, yeah. it was a shoot for citizens United. So, okay. which is like a super PAC and, uh, well, so they define the, super PAC for me. Uh, it's, a uh, when businesses, entities, people, uh, come together and form a political, political action committee in order to influence politics. Got it. Okay. So they're, yeah. So it's politically charged. It was a politically max. charged thing. The union comes down from New York. They pick at the shoot in Dayton, Tennessee. We're a mixed crew. Half the people are union. Half the people are, are non-union. Yeah. The union pickets the, uh, half of the crew that's union cannot cross the picket line and work because it's work picket, stoppage yeah. pro- protest. Right. And what, so what was the reasoning? Uh, uh, unfair wages, I think. Okay. Honestly, I was getting paid my day rate as a non-union guy. You're like, I was getting paid fairly. Huh. So it kind of, it kind of screwed me yeah. because ultimately the shoot got shut down because we didn't, we couldn't shoot it with half, half the crew. Guys were gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so that's what, that's the situation when the right to work state union non-union crews mixing does not work right 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 when when it is half union and they pick it yes and they pick it it's it like, only happened once i've been doing this you know i've been in the business since i was how old 12 i said oh I'm my 36 gosh. now so wow yeah 24 years that's the only shoot i've ever been on that's been that's done that that's been shut down so okay so here's my question here's yeah. what here's why i'm getting at this if you had stayed in LA, would mm-hmm. you have gone union? Maybe because I almost went union on that shoot. Um, oh. because the, there was, there was a few hours that day where that shoot almost flipped. And Whoa. if that shoot would have flipped, then I would have had the opportunity to, to join the local 600 yeah. as a, as a, as a, a camera operator. Wow. Which would have yeah. been awesome. Maybe. I mean, Could've I don't know. I don't been. know what that life would have looked like at, because right. I, I have, nobody's ever asked me if I'm in the union now, you know, I That's don't know if thing. it would help me or hurt me. That's the thing. I've never been asked to if I'm a union. Yeah. I feel like, and you know, I've only been doing this for a short amount of time. So it's like, I have a lot of time to be asked that. And LA's very union. Mm. Um, but like, I got hit up by a production company the other day uh, to do a TV show pilot um, to DP it. And they were like, it, it didn't end up working out because I had shoots that day and then it got switched and whatever. But he was like, I don't think it's union. Are you union? And I was like, no. And he was like, okay, great. And I was like, huh, mm. 
Interesting. You should talk to my buddy, Josh Lowry. He was on the podcast, you know, I yeah. don't know, a few weeks ago. He lives in Venice. He's an editor. Okay. He was on a show that flipped mm. and he was on, it was like, he was the lead editor on the first season and then the second season, the un- the the show flipped to Union for whatever reason. Uh, explain flipped for everyone that, that doesn't know what flipped means. It went from being a non-union to a union production. Yeah. Uh, and in and, and California, it's one or the other. So yeah. you can't mix union and non-union Correct. crews in California. Yeah. It either has to be a non-union shoot or a union shoot. Yeah. So they're... Their uh, show flipped from from season one to season two, and because they wanted to keep him and had him on, he was able to join the union. At what he was already on a non-union crew. Exactly. Right. So that's a really great way to get into the union, which because is almost how I got into the union. As a camera work, As a camera operator. Yeah. Was on that, was on that Dayton, Tennessee wow. shoot that, that almost flipped. And, and it definitely would have been worth it if you were in L.A., Yes, it because, would Because like, dude, like I was talking to one of my buddies because I didn't, I didn't go to film school. You went mm-hmm. for a year, right? Uh, yeah, a few years. A yeah. few years. Yeah. Okay. So I haven't, I've done no film school. Yeah. I've done YouTube university, man. Yeah. So like, that's awesome. Like I had to learn set etiquette on set by messing up. That's not that hard. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say set etiquette is not hard to learn, but messing up, that is a, that is a, uh, that's trial by fire right there. It's trial by fire, man. There's a lot of yelling involved. There is a lot of yelling involved. Yeah. And so now thankfully I never got yelled at, but I definitely got pulled aside. Really? And it was like, Hey, don't do that. I was like, Hey, fair enough. What man. was it? Talking to the talent, crossing Dude, the camera. It was, it was, um, it was, it was messing around with talent. Hmm. I was like, you know, like one of the talent was like dancing and I like started dancing with him a little bit. I was like, I was like moving my, I was like sitting on a Pelican, like with a camera in front of me, like tripod, shoot, press record, make sure it keeps recording. You know, yeah. easy. Yeah. And then he was like playing music and I was like dancing with him a little bit. And then the guy was like, nah. And I was yeah. like, Hey, I'll never do it again. Fair yeah. enough, man. Fair quick, you're, enough. You're a quick study. It doesn't yeah. take long. And that's, that's the thing too, is like, you got it right away. Yeah, and like, that's why you're still working because right. you can read a room. And you're you're not gonna go and like mess with the talent again. Right, you're, right, you're not right. gonna get involved in their world because that can sully their performance. It can get them out of their headspace and all that. Exactly. It is good set etiquette to yeah. not to not engage with the talent. Exactly. And don't like, yell at each other across set. Yes. Use hand signs. Yes. Move the light that way. Yeah. You know exactly. Not, you know. Yeah. And so that's and that's something I had to learn. Whereas in film school, they teach you that. Yeah. Um. So I was talking to one of my buddies that did go to film school mm-hmm. uh, for a year up in Canada. He's like Ryan Ryan Luth is his name. Wonderful first AC and mm. and DP and director. I think he does it all. Oh wow! Um, he wants to be a director. I think in the long term, working his way up through the camera, working department. his way up. But like he's such a good first AC and and DP that it's like, dog. But <laughs> you know, it's like I've noticed that sometimes people get to like they start to work their way up to director and they get to focus pulling. Yeah, and they're like, oh dude, this is awesome. It's this is fun. me. This is me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like I'll just stop here. Exactly. So he's he's wonderful at that. He's also just like the nicest guy ever. But I was talking to him and I was like, "Dude, what do you are, are you going to go union? Like you went to film school. That's like the union. That's like you're like teed up, right? Yeah, you pretty much graduate in the union. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and he was like, he was like, no, because I want to own my own business as well. Hmm. You know what I mean? It like if you're union. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you can't really own a production company. You can, but you have to own your shop has to be a signatory for the union, right? And and if you are a a union person and you own a company, 
then your company has to be union. And you can only hire union guys. Well, and it like, cuts you out of half of the work. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. That's probably smart on his behalf. Yeah. And well, so that's that's kind of what I'm doing. And he was like, hey, and honestly, man, like, if I have enough director cred behind me by the time I'm 35, 40, whatever, I can apply to the union as a director or a DP and be like, and you know, if I have enough cred, they can just be like, yeah, cool. You can be part of the union. Sure. And so I was like, oh, you know, that's kind of smart. Cause like, okay. Every union guy, hot take. Are we allowed to hot take on this podcast? Absolutely. Every union guy I've ever met hates his life. Oh, Every one of them. Oh, man. That Every is, one that of them. That is man. a hot take. It's a hot take. And I, there's going to be guys that I obviously haven't met that freaking love being in the union. <laughs> but like every 50-year-old grip I've ever met is so sour. They're a salty, salty bunch. And it might just be grips. Have you ever grips worked do in be New salty York? sometimes. Have you ever worked in no, New York? No. No, I haven't. Yeah, grips grips can be the, the, the they are the saltiest of the whole <laughs> yeah. crew, right? Yeah. But other than Teamsters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Yeah. The, the the grips can tend to be a, a salty a saltier bunch even if they are or when they are union but yeah. working in New York it is the worst dude the worst of the worst it is borderline organized crime yeah what what they do like hey man can I get a stinger oh yeah let me radio down to the five fourteen to bring you a stinger up oh well actually I just need a power ship oh yeah that's the six twelve I gotta radio down to them it'll be up in an hour. Like, let oh. me just sit on this Apple box and smoke a cigarette. It's like, dude. Go get me the freaking power box, exa- It's right there. I can see it. Yeah. I can see it. I just don't want to touch your stuff. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. It can. It, and, like, it can be that uh, there there can definitely be uh, that reputation that the union guys get and the grips yeah. get. There's a reason. There's a reason that joke exists. Like, yeah. It, like, I'll, I'll be working with dogs on set and I'll be like, sit. And the dog won't sit. And I'm like, ah, must be a union dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, that's... Or, or on the flip side, you could also make the joke, must not be union. You exactly. know, it's like he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it goes it goes both ways. It goes both ways. Yeah. Um, But like, I'm just, I don't think I'm interested. Really? Like, I know a bunch of guys. Like, I even met a guy at the UPS. I meet the pe- I meet people in the most random areas. Yeah. I saw a guy shipping out like a, a, an airy box. And I, okay, airy or Ari? Uh. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go airy because I am um, not German. Fair enough. Okay. I say airy as well. Okay. Um, but I don't know which one's correct. By the way, Aeroflex camera company <laughs> or, or camera company from Germany, right? Yeah. The, the the best of the best. Yes. The for best people the who best. don't know. Yes. The the standard. Yeah. So he was shipping out an airy box, and I was like, he he was complaining about shipping Pelicans, and I was like, hey man, I understand. I just I just shipped a Movie Pro out. And he was like, oh, really? I was, I was like, yeah. He's like, he talked to me about Movie, and I was like, okay, obviously you know something. And I talked to him in the parking lot. He was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a union Ronin op, like the art Ronin 2. Sure. Um, which is a, a which is kind of a knockoff movie. I mean, it's not a knockoff, or but like, it's a- It's like a di- it's different. It's yeah. like the bigger, it's like the Big Daddy version. But it came second. But so, it did come second. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's like heavier payload. Yeah. It's a gimbal system that is just, yeah. It's just heavier, right? Yeah. Like people, like if you're doing like a car commercial, like where you're flying not too heavy of a camera, like a low budget car commercial, you're using the Ronin 2, yeah. right? Like you're not using a Movi XL yet. Yeah. Um, And he was, he was union and like, he like super cool dude. But like he didn't, he just like had a, had a lot of bad stuff to say about the film industry. And I was like, now is this me being fresh to the film industry? 
bright eyed and bushy tailed yes. and, and is it, wet behind the ears. Is it that? Right. All those things. Yeah. Or is it that union guys take it more as a nine to five instead of a passion hmm. because they've been burnt out because they're like, they work so much on things that they don't really, you know, care about. Like, I feel like the union guys take it more as a job and I'm, I don't want to say every union guy, but a lot of the guys I've talked to, it's more of a nine to five or really like a nine to nine usually. You know, so that's why unions were created ultimately mm. was to keep people from being taken advantage of by their employers. Right. So you and I have a production company. We're trying to shoot a commercial and it goes over a little bit. Yeah. Right. And we are asking our people to work long hours and not take another meal and all that. Right. 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 And that happened long enough in the film business to where people ultimately unionized and said, this is unfair. Right. And so they were taken advantage of long enough to where they had to put something in place. It's the same thing with the automotive industry. Yeah. It's the same thing with any other industry that's factory work. And film was factory work yeah. in, in Los Angeles. Soundstage. In the thir- 20s, 30s, 40s, before talkies, before, you know, sync sound became a thing. Yeah. It was factory work. Yeah. People show, that's why they call clothespins C-47s is right. so some jackass can't roll in off the street and know what a... C forty seven is clothespin is yeah exactly so they so that's the whole reason these unions exist is to protect the industry from from scabs rolling in or it, it, just right. anybody taking their jobs and also from unsafe and unfair working environment unsafe working environments and yeah. unfair wages and so it makes sense why they exist ultimately yeah they exist for a real reason yeah. Uh, Across all industries, not just the filmmaking industry. So yeah. when you look at it from that mentality and look at it from 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 a thirty thousand foot view of a company trying to make things as much as they can and make a high pro- as high of a profit as possible, and a labor force who is trying to service this this industry who's trying to make things, it makes sense for why they would want to protect themselves yeah. from the big bad guy who's just trying to make all the money. And right. so, but that mentality bleeds through. The whole thing. And so that, I think, is why you feel the way you feel about when you meet union guys is because they're they're automatically predisposed to not be taken advantage of. Yeah. And they're tr- they're trying to just guard themselves from being screwed. They're on the defensive. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But our production company... We don't even think about that because we treat people fairly anyway. Exactly. We don't yeah. we don't need your union. We're going to treat you better than the union wants you to be treated. Right. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is that the union, I mean, you've seen all the, like for, for those not in the film industry, this last year, there was a huge push against the union because like healthcare is terrible. Like all these, the pay is, isn't as good as it needs to be. Mm. Like all these things that people are pissed at the union at mm. uh, or for. Um, I don't know about this. Oh, you haven't heard about this? No. Oh man, dude, there's even like an Instagram page that's called like Union Stories or something. I can't remember really? what it's called. So the union's like, not fighting hard enough for these people? No, dude. That's another thing is that I've heard, and I am not one way or the other. Yeah. I understand why unions exist. I think they're necessary because there's assholes out there who are trying to work people and take advantage of people Absolutely. way too hard and people need to be able to unionize and take care of themselves yeah. and all that. And I get it. But as a production company that's trying to achieve a certain thing. Like, I don't need you to push back at me until I'm treating you unfairly. Right. Do you right, know what I mean? Right. right, right so right. I, I get both sides of it. 
I really do. Yeah. Me as well. I, I agree. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Sorry. That the Instagram stories. Oh, union, union stories. Yeah, man. People are pissed at the union. That's, that's basically just because like people are like, I worked 55 years as a grip. My back is blown out. Yeah. From, from carrying M18s. And I don't have any health care anymore. Like the union health care isn't going to cover it. Mm. Or like, you know, like obviously the union health care would cover that. Yeah. But like it's stories like that where it's like, da 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 da, this happened. They worked me for 23 hours. I had a one hour turnaround to the next shoot. Mm. And it's like, it's all these things. And people are really mad at the union. There was a, there was supposed to be a strike. They never went on strike. Um, but the whole thing with the union too is that if you, if you, if you are a union technician in the film world, that is supposed to get you more work also. Right. So that's a good reason to be in it is because the union can, can help crew you and help put you out there because a union production comes to town and they reach out to the union and say, Hey, we need, here's my roster. Yeah. We need 10, we need five grip, five electric and three swing. Right. You know, and, and then the, the union crews you up. That's their big selling point other than protecting you from unfair working conditions. Right. And that's the part that I hear that people feel like they're kind of screwed by too. Is like, it doesn't really help me Mm. from, from getting more work right. standpoint. It doesn't really help me from getting more work standpoint. Yeah. So in, in like in our world here, they, it seems kind of unnecessary. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here and in I, Knoxville completely. But I get where you're at yeah. because, because LA can be a, a, a dark place full of individuals who are out for themselves. Oh my gosh, dude. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. I, I understand why it exists there. I just hate the environment, the working environment that it breeds. Uh, I was ADing this shoot in Toronto. It was for the Property Brothers. It was okay. a shoot for HGTV. Yeah. And I worked with this crew all day and like it was nuts, man. The 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 camera crew was just smoking joints, like smelling oh like weed. And this was union, in. right? Okay, get into don't it. Spoil, okay, okay. Don't spoiler alert my uh, my <laughs> my story here. So so the, the the camera crew was super nice, but like, you know, they were just kind of doing their job and they were so sweet. They're so Canada nice, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the G&E was just like, bah, 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 bah. angry. And I, and yeah, and I was ADing, and I didn't know any better. It was one of the first shoots I'd ever AD'd. Yeah. And I was just so nice to everybody and so, like, kind, asking, you know, speak, please, thank you, all that stuff. And and the the at the end of the day, the saltiest grip came up to me. Oh, no. And he was like, you're the best AD I've ever worked oh. with. And I was like, man... Thank you so much because this is literally like the third time I've ever first AD oh a shoot gosh. before. You were stressing. I was stressing hard, yeah. but he was like, "You just, I can just tell that you that you know that you've been in the industry a long time. You know your stuff, but like, but you you're just not you're not uh, you're not sour. You're not jaded. Yeah. And and I didn't tell him it was you know your third time. <laughs> Absolutely, you never say that. You never say that. But it, but it was because they they had that mentality of like just barely do whatever it takes to get by, and and you know try to fight the production and push against production at every stage of the game to right. not take advantage of. But we were we were taking good care of them. We were treating them right, and they were so happy to have a production company, especially one from the United States, yeah. come into Toronto and treat them like human beings and not yell at people and throw people. Oh my gosh. But they were just it, it was just such a it was such a you could tell a breath of fresh air for these guys. 
but what they work in is or what you know seemingly they they get on these film sets and all that it's just a little bit of a of, of a different mentality of of go do this now faster 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 and like you treat them like human beings and everybody acts like a human being and you everyone's know? chill it's like yes. wow look at that yeah dude and, and that's why i just i'm not interested right I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm interested. Yeah. So 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 you're gonna are you gonna stick with are are you gonna stick with what you're doing now because you've been you know moving over from the sound world, moving into DPing, moving into you know camera operating and all that, which is crazy that you're working your way up like this. And man, talking to you, it's like talking to an encyclopedia of what is <laughs> happening now. Like you know your shit inside and out, and it's so yeah. it's so refreshing. Thank you, man. Yeah, to hear. And you're relatively new to the game, absolutely, but yeah. super knowledgeable and pushing the game forward. Like, do you see a do you see a path forward with what you've got? going right now for like a career i mean you've got Dude. you got to work for 40 more years buddy i hate to tell right, you 30 right. or 40 more years like do you Ugh. see it do you see it happening do you see it like a path forward i i think so and and the reason the reason is like even like the other day i called my dad and i was like maybe i should go to film school like i for sure doubt it sometimes really Oh yeah, yeah. I, because like, you didn't go to film school, you taught you taught yourself everything you know. Yeah. Well, right? I, and what, what what changed my life was I got really good mentor. Mm. I got really good mentors. I would say, I would say Tudor was my first mentor. Yeah. And then I got I, like, dude, I there's a guy named Griffin Conway. He okay. he's a DP in Orange County. And Is he the fight fight he, camp guy? fight camp guy? Yeah. Okay. So um, he makes YouTube videos and he makes a lot on on Canon stuff. He shoots on a lot of Canon. He has a C500 Mark II. Um, and, and so he was making videos about the C70 and I was about to buy a C70. So I was watching all of his videos, every one of them multiple times just to learn what was going on, even down to like dynamic range tests of C70. So he's like a, a, a YouTuber that's doing these tests on these different products that are coming out and yeah. comparing them to other cameras and other yeah. products that are coming out. But a lot of these videos are done on sets. Really? It'll be like a guy shooting BTS around a set because he's actually on set and then someone's like, all right, let's go ahead and get shot up. And he's like, all right, never mind, cut the clip. We got to go. And gotcha. like he puts that in the video. So you're like, oh, this dude's really doing he's the doing work. It. Yeah. He's not a teacher. Exactly. He's not a, like a teacher that's just out there setting up his own deal. He is operating these film making tools in real environments where everything yes. else is the same. All the lighting is the same. The, the trucks, the everything's there. He's just using a different tool and comparing it to the tools that yes. are being used already. Yes, exactly. So everything else is a level playing field, ultimately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so he's doing these comparisons and teaching you these things. And I was like, oh, dude, I got I to follow this guy on Instagram. Follow him on Instagram. And eventually he posts like, hey, I need a BTS shooter for the next few days. And I was like, oh, dude, I have a shoot that day. And then, and then it ended up getting moved. And I DM'd. I had... I had DM'd him probably 10 times on Instagram before this happened. I relentlessly DM'd him. No mercy, bro. Really? Anything I could like write him a message about, yeah. I was writing him a message about. Yeah. Like yeah. I even applied for a job at the company he was working for while I was vastly underqualified. They were like, we want to go with 10 years of experience. And I was like, I've been doing this four months, but I would love for you to see what I can do. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, send, <laughs> like, you know, but this like, guy ultimately needed some help one day. Yeah. He, and you saw a little bit of daylight. Yes. And, and I got it. And I shot BTS for him. Really? This and, YouTube kind of influencer yes, type. Guy. Exactly. Okay. And then, and then like, 
I now like the day I had I moved my trip a day earlier to Knoxville to Knoxville because I'm movieopping for him ten hours after I get back in L.A. Nice, you know what I mean for like for like a a a, a B list celebrity. You know, it's like these things that he just gets, and so, now like I'm his go to movieop for smaller budget things because you DM'd him and were interested and helped him out. Yes, and got in. Yeah, and knew your shit, showed up, did the right thing, and, and sometimes did the wrong thing. Really? And he's the one he's the one that corrected me when I was messing around with talent. Really? So I think I just got really lucky and blessed to like have a good mentor. But do you think it was the the simpatico like personality thing that helped you get that too? Like not only did you show up and maybe you were 70% qualified, right. 70% proficient, but you were easy to work with. Absolutely. And do you think that's what got ultimately got you in? I think so, man. Because you can teach people the, the other 30. Exactly. Like yeah. I knew how to use the stand, like kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like 80%. I was like, it might put the go ball on the wrong side sometimes. Ooh, that'll <laughs> kill somebody. That'll kill somebody. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's like, but. But you, but, but he corrected you once. He corrected me once. I've never done it again. Exactly. And so it's like, okay, this guy, he learns quick. He does these things. And I like, like we're buddies now. That's the thing that I honestly feel like gets people farther in the industry than anything else. Mm-hmm. And that is being a good person to work with, whether yeah. you know your shit or not, being a decent individual, being compatible with somebody else, being somebody that has manners, yeah, says please and thank you. Can, you know you can take them in front of a client and they're not going to embarrass you. Yes. That goes way That's further part. than taking the guy who is awesome, a stud, a rock star, but is sour right. and has a terrible personality. They're going to hire the guy that that is- is good enough is is good enough but is easy to work with yeah. and also uh they know they can they can trust in a crowd to not say some dumb stuff exactly man because like you're gonna be with them for like a minimum of 10 hours probably 12 you know what i mean like you're sitting in a room with someone you hate for 12 hours it's awful it's that's, awful i think that's the reason i got my first job with michael underwood i didn't know anything when i started work with him yeah but he taught me what i needed to know and i was I mean, he whipped me into shape quick too, because I messed up a lot. Yeah, man. I messed up a whole lot. And I said some stuff I shouldn't have said, and I acted the way I shouldn't have acted a couple times. Dude. One, yeah. But once. One you know, time. You tell me once, I'm a quick study, I'll get it and and not do it again. And you also have to be on the road with this person for a month at oh a time. Gosh. And you have to be able to not to not hate him at dinner. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a you big have to go part out to of dinner it. with him afterwards. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, dude, I one hundred percent agree. I think it's nobody wants nobody wants to work with you if you're if you're rude and annoying to work with. True. Like, just which is why because there are people that will do it and that aren't that way. Right. Like, it, it's easy. It's I wouldn't say easy to find, but like, it's common. Like to find someone that's cool to work with and that does a good job. Good enough. Well, I think I think it's easy to find people who are proficient and who are good. It's who do you want to spend your time with? Exactly. You want to work with your friends. You want to work with people who are who are good, kind, nice people, enrich the experience. Which, again, is the best part of the film industry. Yeah. I you can show up friends. with tattoos on your face and, and people really don't cares. care. Yeah. They don't care. If yeah. You're, if you're good, good at your job and cool to hang out with and yes. like nobody cares. Yeah. Cool. You did your job when I asked you to. Yeah. Or before I asked you to. You that's, heard me talking about it with the director. That's the it. other thing. 
That's the one of the things that Michael Underwood taught me first is anticipation. Yes. And sometimes it can burn you. If you're it, well, it can burn you if you're if you are too eager. Yes. And are messing stuff up. Yeah. Wait it, till the end of the conversation. Right. Or like you know, they might be like should we fly that light? And then it's like, you're already setting it up. They're like, nah. And then like, where's our PA? Yeah. You know, it's like, what's going there on? There is such thing as being too eager too. Yeah. And I've heard people yeah, yeah. talk about that also. Like there's a, there's a nice balance to strike in between being eager and willing to help, but also not taking two steps back because you're too. Asking too many questions or. Or too eager. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think so. I'd, I'd rather you, I'd rather you stand around and wait f- and wait for something to happen, but be listening than to, like you said, be somewhere else working on something that doesn't matter anymore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a big part. Like that happened to me the other day. It was like a guy that was there and I don't want to, I don't want to say too much cause you know, I don't want to yeah. defend it, but like, sure. Just like asking too many questions and I was trying to do something and I was like, I, I started, I started just having to be short. Yeah. Not because I was mad at the guy. Cause you have to work, but because I had to work, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I have to pay attention. Like, th- th- this is it. Like, I have to do this thing right now because yeah. this is a tight. This is a tight shot list. Like, we got to yeah. get this thing going. Sit back and learn. Yeah, and just be there. And be there for a second. And be there when I need you. Yeah, and be ready to hand me something before I ask for it because you were listening. Yeah, but exactly. don't. But don't hit. But don't be tapping me on the face with it. You want this? You want yeah, this? Exactly. You, you want, what about the? Yeah, it's yeah. like just like stand there and be ready. Yeah, yeah. What, um, what else are you working on? coming up so, anything you can talk about yeah so um can i talk about that <laughs> i always get nervous talking about things that haven't happened yet yeah it's cool uh, yeah it's well, like, what have you done recently that that's out there that yeah. people can see so i actually just did a really cool project with griffin the guy the that, fight camp yeah dude. the fight camp dude that has been my mentor and um one of my buddies for the last few months and we've done a lot of work together. He, he pulled me on to Moviop, um, a, a car commercial, like a spec commercial that he's doing for his production company. Cool. To, uh, to try and break into the off road industry. Mm. Um, and so like, this was before we had any gear. Um, you know, like we didn't have a black arm yet and it's like, okay, but I have a movie, so I'll hang out the back of the, his Bronco. Yeah, we'll with do the a movie. poor man's version. We'll do the poor man's version, aka yeah. my back yeah. as the black arm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my back is a spring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like I'm 21, we'll get it done. Like yeah. it'll be fine. I'll be sore, but yeah. Hey, so we drove to Joshua Tree and did it and uh, shot it on Koa Anamorphics. I've shot nice. two things on Koa Anamorphic now. My favorite lenses, really, that I've used. Like they're so cool, man. That that boxing video I showed you was on those as well. Yeah. Gorgeous. Um, gorgeous lenses. And so that's a really cool thing that I've done recently. And um, later this month, we're going down to Baja in Mexico to film four days of this van event. That's like an off-roading van event. Sweet. They're like an overlanding deal? Yes. Overlanding thing. And we're just going to shoot a baller commercial for them and try to break into this industry. Of that's like, awesome. And I think that's big circle back. Why I see something working out with not being union. Because like I have my own production company, I just I'm just getting it off the ground, but like Dose Media is is alive in California. It's a thing. Yeah. And so like, I don't want to just like I don't want to just cam up for the rest of my life. I totally could. I could go to film school, work my way up from being a PA, cam up as union. 
Like, but you're I, already in the game. But I'm already in the game. Yeah, exactly. So and like, and I I want to work on multiple things. I want to and I want to have like I don't want to be at the end of my time in the industry. Like, say I work fifty more years in in the union or forty more years. Fifty, I'd be seventy one. Yeah, I, I don't want to work when I'm yeah. seventy one. Honestly, yeah. I don't even want to live that long. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, I work forty years in the union as a cam op, and then I come out of it, and I'm like, yeah, sure, I cam opt on a few Batman movies, but like, I don't have any business to hand down to my kids. Right. You know so, what I mean? Yeah. So you're trying to build something tangible. I'm trying to build right. something that other, I'm proud of and that I built. Right. Other than being a, a a factory worker. Exactly. I don't want to be a factory worker. I love working for myself. I've worked retail jobs before and I hated them. Mm. And like, I want, I want to own something. I want to yeah. be, because I don't, I don't like to have any um, excuses of like, why didn't you make it? And it's like, well, the union didn't give me enough jobs. Yeah. Or the union didn't pay me enough. Right. I want it to be on me, man. Yeah, you need to carry your own bucket of rocks. Exactly. I love buckets of rocks. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And I, they I need wanna, to be yours. And they need to be my freaking rocks, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just want to make something tangible. And like, I'm seeing production companies do that and make make national television commercials without union guys. Yeah. And like, they're doing all these things and breaking into industries that aren't broken into yet. Um like the van off-roading industry. Like it's niche, sure. But like these vans are $300,000, man. Yeah. These companies are making money. Yeah. And they need commercials. Yeah, they could they could uh, sell a half of a a vehicle and pay for your whole Yeah. commercial. Like if you just had a $150,000 commercial, like that's a, a decent budget. That's a freaking decent budget, man. That's not a big budget, but like that's right. the top end of medium for sure. Yeah. And like you're paying your guys well, your company's making money like if you have a few hundred fifty k shoots, like you made a good amount of money in those sure. few months, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if you could if you could do one every once once a month, and then you're working smaller things in between, you know, like that's that's living, that's living, man. Yeah. And so, um, and you own it; it's your thing. Yeah. I started this. Yeah. Um, and that's why I see it working. I, I just I don't think I would like it. I might as well get an office job and work nine to five. Then be a factory worker. Then be a factory worker because like I could probably make the same amount of money being in the business world. And also I like being in the business world, man. It is sending my own invoices and yeah. we're rustling up clients is fun to me. That's that's the part that that breaks people ultimately. If you yeah. don't if you don't have that mentality of of liking to bring in business, liking to develop new clients and all that, that's the reason people fall into Oh, I just want to do the work. Oh, I'm just an Indian, not a chief. Like yeah. that whole mentality, like that's great for a lot of people. But if you have that disposition to where you are okay with with doing the whole thing. Doing the whole thing, then that then you can actually make like a a, a well rounded poly facing like business out of it. Yeah. To where you're not just operating a camera or not just editing. But you're also yeah. creating concepts. You're also out there finding work and coming up with strategies for, for companies to tell their visual story. Exactly. And it's it's, man, that to me that that's speaking my language. Right. Because you did it. You've done it. You've you've had a production company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have. And like, even the even our production company now, Pop Fizz, like. It's kind of the best of both worlds for me because I can do the work, but I also get to come up with some really great ideas and approach some really great brands with stuff that I want to, that I want to do for them, and they listen. Yeah, you know, you're a big player in pop fizz. It's like, you know, what I mean, like you're you're not just like oh, this is our came up. 
yeah. vomit them onto the set. Right. You get to you get to make things. Yeah, I do. And 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 come up with come come up with strategy for our company and strategy for ways to serve our clients and brands that, that we work with. It's that's bigger than just like a bigger than just a transactional, you know, kind of relationship. Right. Like I have an idea for what I want to do with a project. You would be a great brand for this kind of idea. What do you think? Which should is the we most, do it? Yeah, which is a super fun part for me. Yeah. And like I think you should keep it up. Oh yeah, man. I and love I'm it. so jealous that you're so young and already yeah. know all this stuff. <laughs> because I was thirty something before I got into this mentality. So you're gonna be good, dude. Dude, hey, let's hope. It could turn around in one day. That's the scary part. Well, I know, but you've got such a good head on your shoulders and such a good attitude. Well, D- Dose Media. D- okay, let me explain the name. Yeah. One I'm in LA. Oh yeah, so, so, so Spanish is Spanish huge. is fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two, I'm named after my dad, and he didn't want me to be junior because in the South, you know, anyone that's a second or a junior just gets called junior. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But isn't You're just the junior. second? Isn't the second when it skips a generation? So like, oh, I, I actually don't know. I think that's what it is. So like, if I'm Ben Fields, yeah, and I name my son Ben Fields, then he's Ben Fields Junior. But if I name my son Roy Fields and he names his son Ben Fields, yeah. then, then my second. grandson is the second. Interesting. I think that's right. I, I could don't be wrong. I, I mean, hey man, I don't I don't I don't even know. You should look it up before I you should, name your company. Right. <laughs> I like go back to the state of California. I'm like, hey, I really messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my dad really messed up. <laughs> um, but it's he, gonna be called Junior Pictures yeah, now that junior I think about it. Pictures. Yeah. That could be terrible. That's a really bad name. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but uh, he was like, I don't want my son to be called Junior for the rest of his life, so I'm just going to make him the second. Okay. Just, just screw the culture behind it. He's the second. And I, so I was like, I wanted it to be named something that was about my likeness, my name, but I didn't want it to be like Rob Trent Pictures. Right. I don't like that. Right. It needs to have something that's not associated with me because Yeah, because what if you move on and you want to sell the company? Exactly. Like know? they're just going to buy Robert Trent Pictures? Yeah. No. Yeah. Like they're going to change the name and then they're going to lose clients because nobody knows who Nobody knows who it is. Yeah. So, I wanted to make it something that is a, attached to me but only people I'm talking to would know. Mm. Like that I've had a conversation with be like, "Oh, dose because you're the second." Gotcha. Um and also because you can condense to media into MDA and they're both three. It's so like my logos D O S M D A, like on top of each other because ah. I can fit into fit into a square. Yeah, it's a rectangular yes, uh, deal. Exactly, very easy. Um, so that's why I did it. But I think it can. I think it can work, man. I I don't know. But the thing is, too, it's like, do I have to scrap it if I want to move to Knoxville and live near my family? No. You know what I mean? No. Do you want to? Do you want to move to Knoxville? I think at some point. I don't think I want to live in LA for the rest of my life. Why not? It's so expensive, man. I can't afford a house ever. Yeah, I know I know a lot of people who rent in LA. And it sucks, man. Like I pay more than my sister's mortgage is here for my rent. Yeah. Like significantly more. Of yeah. my studio apartment where my roof leaked the other day onto my bed. Yeah. And my doorknob fell off right after. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I pay fifteen hundred dollars a month for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's you like, can buy a you can buy a pretty nice house in in Knoxville for that for a mortgage of fifteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, you can, especially like before the housing market's crazy right now. Yeah, like well, it's crazy there too. Oh yeah, it's always crazy there, and then it got crazy in Knoxville. Yeah, um, but 
Yeah, I think that's really the main reason is because I can't afford a house there. Really? Yeah, I think I really now that I think about it, I think that's the one. Mm. So I, I I have a buddy who lives out there, and he bought uh he bought a condo in Venice, uh-huh. and he you know he paid a thousand dollars a square foot for it. He yeah. he bought a six hundred square foot condo for six hundred thousand dollars, and it almost doubled in value since he's owned it for the last five years. And it's right. like, what is going on? That is right. an outrageous proposition. And, and will it go down? No. Housing markets don't go down. It screws up everything. Yeah. If housing market, if, if property values go down, it messes up everything. Because it's 99% of America's exactly. biggest asset. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so like, what are you supposed to do? Like the housing bubble in 2008? Oh my God. It screwed up everything. It screwed up everything. We're yeah. still feeling the effects today. Absolutely. And everyone's scared because they think it's going to happen again. Yeah. Um, and that's another part of owning your own business. It's like, what happens when COVID comes along? Yeah. And productions aren't happening. Yeah. You know you, what I mean? Dude, I I, I am so... Uh, uh, I, I think I, I've always trusted Brian Allen, the guy that owns Pop Fizz. Yeah. 100% since I've started, since I've known him and known that he is a very smart individual, very smart businessman. But when we went through COVID with our production company and everything canceled on our books, oh. everything, and he had, you know, he's got $100,000 a month in payroll he has to pay. Right. And all your business just went away. Right. Could you imagine the stress? Oh my God, no. You have like mouths you have to feed. Exactly. You have people with families. Yeah. People with kids and and husbands and wives. And you know them personally. Yes. You know the wives and and you you know the kids. And you love them. And you love them. Yes. We did not have to lay off a single person. Wow. We kept everybody because that man, Brian Allen, worked his ass off to make sure that not not only that, that the company stayed afloat and all that, but more than anything... That the people on our team seeing that as the most important asset that we had was people. Was, our, was our people. Yeah. And I, dude, I feel awful because I said to him, we had a, a meeting and he was like, what are we going to do with, with all this? And I was like, man, like, I hate to say it. And this is an awful thing to say because I know it is bad for me, but like, if we don't have work, why do we need employees? Yeah. And like, he was like you're missing the point, man. Yeah. Like, which takes balls to say what I said to him, what he said to you. Yeah, for sure. To be like, yeah, man, that's the easy way out, but you're not seeing it right. Exactly. And, and that, I mean, even if I, if I didn't, I had the most respect I've ever had for anybody at that moment in time. Yeah. But even, but after he said that, I was like, dude, you're blowing my mind right now. Right. Because, because corporate America wouldn't do that. Exactly. Corporate America would have laid off everybody. Yeah. He didn't. Yeah. Because, because he knew that our human capital, our human resources and our, our people and our culture were the most important thing that we had. And that was going to be the last thing that went down with the ship. Right. The ship was going to go down with all 12 of us on board. Right. Not, not, we weren't, we weren't going to throw the T off board to try to keep the thing afloat. Yeah. And I was, I was astonished and amazed. And I felt so guilty afterwards because (laughs) I was like, dude, I would have just canned the whole staff and kept myself on. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, but he's right. Yeah. He he's right. The thing that makes us, us is, is the people, the human beings that make this thing up. And 
but all that to say, that's the kind of mentality that you get when you're working here. Yeah, yeah, L.A., it's like, hey, man, I'm not even sorry. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, there's no sorry. I, w- I would say I'm sorry, but I'm not. But I'm not. Yeah. Like, you're just a pawn. Yeah. That is L.A. wrapped up. But also, fast. like, those are the kinds of decisions that Dose Media might have to make one day. Dude, it's true, because, like, I want to hire my friends. Yeah. Like, I want to have people on staff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And there's risk to that. Yeah. It, because it, it really raises the bar as far as what your responsibility is. Mm-hmm. But you're built for it, man. You got it. You got the right head on your shoulders. Man, you're gonna, I, you're, you got a better head on your shoulders than I do. So you're going to be hey, good, dude. I don't know about that. Yeah. But dude, you, I like. I feel like that's where like financial literacy comes in. Like He for sure had reserves. He yes. couldn't have done it without reserves. He told us. He said we've got a six month or he said we've got six months to a year of runway. Yeah. Like, like we're at. Yeah. And we've built it this way. So we've all got to hustle and wrestle up all the business again. Uh, yeah. Get, get, make the runway last as long as it can. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what did, what did you do during COVID to make that work? Like, what did you do to keep your staff morale high or you not your staff, but you know, your people, uh, uh, morale was, morale was a tough one, Yeah, but, but it was also not, it was a tough one, but it was, it was, it was not a unique problem to us. Everybody yeah. was dealing with that, right? So everybody in the world is going through this whole what the hell's going on idea right now. Yeah. But what we did to keep the train on the tracks was we adapted to the marketplace. The mm-hmm. I think two things that we did that was really that, that were really smart. We said we can approach this whole COVID thing a couple different ways. We can ignore it, pretend like it doesn't exist and try to, you know, we can we can try to operate like we normally would. Uh, we can pander and just kind of do whatever the marketplace says that we need to do in order to still work and just kind of be yes men. And, or we can be thought leaders and say, we're going to become the most COVID safe production you can have. You can get, you can get, yeah. And that's the third one is what we did is we leaned into it. We put, we put three producers for a month. They didn't have a lot else to do at the time. So we put them on, what's our plan to position us to our clients uh, who are big television networks, Discovery Uh uh and, you know, big Have a lot of liability. Yes. Have a lot of liability. Also need to continue to create things. Right. How do we position ourselves to them as being the most aware COVID safe production outfit they can find? Yeah. And that's what we did. These producers came up with a plan. Here's how we operate. They did so much research. They looked around the marketplace, saw how everybody was reacting, what everybody was doing. And then we made a, I don't know, a 30-page plan of how we were going to operate sets in a COVID-safe environment. Oh, my gosh. And when we took this to our clients, they were like, oh, my God, thank you for doing our homework for us. Like, thank you for doing this so we can hire you. Right. And so it ultimately put us at the, at the top of the roster. Yes. Because we already had plans in place. Right. And the way that it kind of boned us was they just kind of copy pasted this for their company. Oh no. (laughs) But it was okay because we were already the ones that were at the top of their mind because we, we had already put all this, put all these ideas into place for how we were going to operate our company. 
And so it, it really like it did, it did really well for uh, it, it, it served us well. And it all came from, from, from that one, from one guy, Brian Allen, who wow, runs our man. company, who just had the foresight yeah, to say, to say, this is how we're going to approach this. Because there were a lot of production companies who said, let's just keep doing it and just kind of get in where we fit in and, right. you know, still do the work and just whatever somebody says we have to do. Yeah. We'll take tests and yeah, we'll wear masks and all that. Right. But we said, no, we're going to be, we're, we're not going to do the bare minimum. No, we're going to do it we're gonna, with excellence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we did. And it wow, worked. Man. And we didn't have to lay off a single person through COVID. And we took a year on the chin like everybody else did. Yep. Um, and stayed above water. And then we started to grow again after it kind of all went away. Wow. But, okay, the second way that we made it through all that yep. was post-production. So mm. we let people still needed to put out content. Our clients still needed to put stuff out there. But now it looks different. It needs to be selfie can one by one and it yeah. is it, need, it needs to be one by one cell phone stuff that's shot yeah. and people can can send us the footage and we can cut it all together and make this stuff that is now acceptable for people to be making stuff from their house right you know instead of out shooting these big productions now they're now they're at home doing zoom type stuff and right. we're and, and we're doing the that of commercials that have zoom stuff in it is insane. It is because that's that's what the marketplace demanded. It and was the, it was it was necessity being the mother of invention. Yeah, and what the world looked like at the moment. Yes, it was real. Exactly, and yeah. we leaned into it. Yeah. and said we will help you produce this. You can't edit this. Yeah, we can. Yeah, you can shoot it yourself with your phone, and Dropbox it. We'll Let, make it good. Yeah, and that's what we did. Wow, I didn't, dude. That's like the amount of just like I don't think I would have thought of that. I wouldn't have either. I was ready to fire everybody. <laughs> you were like, you know what? Go hunt some deer. Exactly. Yeah. Go let's feed hunt. your family. Yeah. Let's hunt and gather. <laughs> I'm an asshole. Apparently, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even know it till that moment in time. And then you're like, dude, I might be the worst human being ever. I know. Huh. And, yeah. <laughs> dude, what else we got? What else would you know? I, you got to get on a plane in like no time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But it's been it's been uh, like. I've had the last guy that was, you know, or a guy that was here a couple of weeks ago, like just stopped by on his way through town, like on the way to the airport, going back to the, remember the, uh, 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 Wes, Wes Walker. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Same deal. Like passing through town, Knoxville connection. Just like happened let's, to pop let, through. Yeah. Let's chat. To the garage. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> Come hang in the garage and burn some sage in the vice over there. Dude, and, dude, the sage vice honestly needs to be featured more. Nobody knows about the sage vice. Oh. <gasps> This yeah. is the first time it's been talked about. First time it's been talked about. All but right. a lot of people have mentioned it when they come in. They're like, is that a sage vice? All right, let yeah. me explain this to the viewers. Okay. So the background of the set is a workbench because we're we're in a garage. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A detached garage. There's a motorcycle in the corner. It's legitimately a garage. And then there's a vice, a regular the one your grandfather had, yeah. that one. On the bench. On, on the, the bench. Bench. Yeah. And I walk in and there's just a bit of sage clamped in it right on the end, burning sage. And I was like, sick like dude honestly the most the most film industry thing i've ever seen really yeah man because it's tech meets hippie because it's a shitty rig ah! like like everything in the film industry unless you're working on the no even if you're working on the biggest features seven million dollar budget 
there are still shitty rigs, man. Yeah, it's still gaff taped together. It's still gaff taped together. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, yeah. like I'm sure there have been features shot where people are like, oh, dude, the diffusion's out on another job. Someone's like, hey, I can run to Costco and get a bed sheet. Yeah. And it's like, great. We're going to book light with this bed sheet. It looks great, man. I carry a bed sheet everywhere I go dude, on a film set. I have legit taken a shower curtain and a bed sheet out of my hotel room and made a book light out of it. Dude. It works. Yeah. I literally have a Target shower curtain. Yeah. It's a, a, and a bed sheet. Yeah. And like do when I make light when I make like lighting diagrams cuz I also have a neg fill that's like a king, you know, like a king size just black sheet. It's yeah. a neg, you know? Yeah. And I like when I make my lighting diagrams like I'll make some for Instagram sometimes. I like shamelessly put like 6 by 6 neg <laughs> instead of like Target king bed sheet that's just black. Is is that how big a king size bed is? is I, six I think six? it's eight by six okay. or something. Yeah. Um, or like six and a half or something. But like, like a full, like a full size bed is six by six. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Or maybe maybe it's six by five. That sounds right. But like, but like my like I just put like six by six. Like who's gonna know the difference? Nobody's. It gonna looks know the, the same, man. Like, it's all about it's all about how you frame it to the public. Exactly. Yeah. That and that's the biggest part. Is your freaking marketing, man? I talked so I make a few YouTube videos here and there just to have fun with. Like I just made one about why I bought a movie. Okay. Um, and like one of my things was like I started telling people I was a movie op before I had a movie. Mm. Because like I knew I was gonna buy one. Right. But like I needed to pay it off. You know what I mean? Like the movie's a big investment. Sure. And it's like okay, so I'm gonna tell all these people I'm meeting I'm a movie op before I even have it. And like if, if they hit me up before I have it, I'm ah oh, sorry, man, I'm busy that week. You know, ah, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like, like what's it. what's the? But if you get five calls for it, then you just buy one. Then you just and buy one, and it's for. paid off. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so like that's what I did, man. Like I just started telling people I was a movie op, and then like last week I had a I had two shoots from people that I told I was a movie op before I was a movie or before I was had one, and then like last week I had their shoots. You know, they, they were like four months or three months later. See, you're, yeah, your production company is going to be fine. It, or either you, it's going to be fine or I'm going to fake it till I make it too hard and just burn the whole nah, thing down. You, no, you'll just be booked. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> just, <laughs> sorry, just, man. Super busy that week. Yeah. Sorry. I can't do it. Sorry, man. Have you ever done that where like someone offers you too low of a rate and you're like, sorry, man. It's just super busy. And then they come back with a higher rate and you're like, that's crazy. My <laughs> schedule changed. <laughs> They're I'll like, be damned if that shoot didn't just cancel. No, I yeah. hadn't done that. I, you know, I'm not smart enough to do that. That's that's good. Always, they always ask me if I'm if I'm available first, and then they and then they ask me my rate. Oh, dude. Okay. It depends. What's the rate? It that's depends. what I'm gonna start saying. Dude, are you are are you, are you available? It depends. What's uh what's what's the rate? Yeah, or like as soon as I meet someone, I like kind of like bring up the subject of day rate, and then I pitch them my highest. One thing I've heard people say is like, yeah, give them a range. And I'm like, dude, if you give someone a range, they are forever going to pay you your lowest rate. Yeah. Like if I told someone my day rate was 500 to 1,000, mm-hmm. one, that's way too big of a range. Two, I'm never getting hired for $1,000 right. a day. I'm getting hired for 500. I don't know. You gave me a range the other day and I- and But I because you're my high. friend. Yeah. Exactly. So like, <laughs> you, you, because you're my friend, I was like, look, man, like if you need this to be lower- I was like, no, I let's, let's give you the high end. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I do that with my buddies, you know, yeah. and, but like, as much as I can. But like, if you give that to random guy in LA, he's going to give you the low rate. Yeah. 
I because guess that's true. because he's gonna pitch because he's a production company. He's gonna pitch to the client. He said at his day rate was seven fifty to a thousand. I'm gonna pay him seven fifty. I'm gonna pitch fifteen hundred to the client. Yeah, and I'm gonna take seven fifty for my production company. People are terrible, by the way. People are terrible. Yeah, and, and like not that not that taking money off off like pitching more for no, a product mar- is bad. No, marking stuff up is is fine because you never that's know. You might get into overtime. Exactly. Also, you know exactly, and then you pay the person, or that's like your security. Like this person doesn't. You know, this person doesn't do a good job, and I have to go back and fix it and post. It's a cushion. It's a cushion, yeah. exactly. And like you, ha- it, is, it is a business. Yeah, you have to make money. Yeah. Um, but like, that's one thing is like people offer a rate, and unless it's your buddy, like one Griffin re- re- referred to it one time is like dropping your pants before they ask. <laughs> you know, like you walk in and just pull down your pants. Yeah. You're like, look, man, I'll do it for three fifty. <laughs> it's been a real, mu- it's been a rough, a rough week. You know, <laughs> like I, I had three shoots cancel. Yeah. Um. You you know you don't don't anticipate don't anticipate the the thing back you know yeah. you know um, yeah it'll always be your rate whatever you give them exactly so be smart so be smart and like and raise your rate by the way it, i'm me? in the, everybody oh <laughs> everybody. you know my rate i was like no no no. no 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 not you everybody okay. yeah right now is a great time it, it is a great time and, and as a production company i i hesitate to say that yes but now's the time to do it everybody has to do it right what, now. what's your reasoning uh everything's more expensive true that now, I mean, we yeah. just went through, we just went, have been through a crazy amount of inflation, the most we've ever been through in my entire life. Yeah. And to keep your rate the same now as it was 10 years ago it's is a same. much bigger deal Yeah, than, than it was, you know, my, my rate didn't change for a long time because it didn't need to yeah. because everything stayed the same price, but everything just became 20, 30, 40% more expensive. Right. Right. How are you supposed to afford that? I don't know. Like. It, I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's not, it's not like, and, and we have to do the same thing. And that's what, as a production company, yeah. we have to raise our rates too. That's, that's what inflation is, which is a huge bummer. Which is, is a problem. It's, it is a problem, yeah. but you know, we're all part of the system now. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it's just, it, it has to happen. It's a huge bummer. And I hate to even say it out loud, but I think that's where it has to go. We have to all push. Nobody needs to be poor. Nobody needs to be you know, destitute because they are, were, were afraid to disappoint somebody or not get hired. Yeah. And if you're going to stick around and, and play the bottom of the, of the, of the range and that's, then that's fine, but that's going to, you're always going to be there. Like we said that. And those are the guys I feel really bad for. I like, I bought something from a guy the other day and he was like, yeah, I own, um, this red helium AK. Okay. That's a $20,000 camera right now or $18,000. Um, and I own a Ronin too, which is another 10,000. And it's like with all your other gear that you have, you're well over 30 K in gear. And he like shoots like low budget music videos. Mm. And I'm like, that's what a, like a, someone who hasn't taken up the, the marketing side and the business side yet. Mm. Because like, imagine your day rates, you know, like a lot of those music videos are cheap. Trust me. Like I'm not talking down to people who do music videos. Some of them are huge budget. But like I worked in the music industry and the video industry. Like I know that artists don't have money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like because I know how much almost you make on Spotify. All videos are all almost all music videos are low low budget music yeah. videos. <laughs> There's never like a huge budget music video. Even yeah, like unless you're working for a label. Exactly. And and even the labels, man, labels are stingy. Yeah. They're real because there's not a there's not a lot of mu- money in the music industry. And Anymore. labels don't make money off your tour. Like that much money off your mm. tour after they get their their pay back for what they're funding it, 
they don't make any more money off the top mm. or like very little. You know, that's why artists tour is because they can make money off of it. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, there's not a lot of money for these music videos. And then there's people that are shooting them on many LFs. And it's like, which is a super expensive camera. Right. Which is a $200,000 camera. I think. Right. right? Yeah. I can't remember how much they are, but yeah. I think it's around that range. Um, and especially once it's kitted out and you have, cause you're not going to run like Canon photo glass. No, it's a, a $300,000 rig. Yeah. It's a quarter of a million dollars just for the camera. Just for the, the camera. Yeah. Not even for the operator. And once you say that, like once you only shoot on air, your day rate's huge. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, how are you making that work, man? Like it's enigmatic, man. I don't know how some, how some people do it. Yeah. It's like they're making 400 bucks per day. Maybe they're just doing quantity. Yeah. Working every day. Maybe they're working every day. I mean like, dude, if I movie opt every day, my body would be done for in five years. For That's sure. true. That's something for you got to sure. think about too. It, it is. is I, I don't want to be a movie. Is it the, the work? Work is hard. The work is hard when you're, when you're holding something that weighs 35 pounds all day. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like why you have support and stuff. But like, even though I have a ready, ready rig, rigs, yeah, it's like, even though I have a ready rig, my shoulders still hurt at the end of the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I still got to do back stretches, man. Yeah. I woke up the other day and I couldn't feel my left leg. I was like, okay, <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm too young for this. Yeah. I was like, I'm 21. Come on. Yeah. Um, and so like, I don't want to be a movie op for the rest of my life, but like, it was a great way to specialize and get on bigger shoots. And you're always going to be able to do it if you have to also, like yes. when, when your company continues to make bigger moves and, and do things, yeah, uh, do bigger productions, you're always going to be able to do it if you have to. And you can talk to the people who you're hiring to do that job. You can speak to them with the- The uh, lingo and confidence of what I need it. them to do. You've done it. Yeah. You've done it. So you know. Yeah. Hey, I need you to do this. Thing. You don't have to be able to do everybody's job, but to be able to speak to them on their terms yeah. is, is like probably one of the most important things that you can do as a leader. Yeah. Well, which a DP is like, that's like the main thing. Yeah. You listen to, um, uh, have you ever listened to Deacon's corner or Deacon's team? Team the, Deacons. Team Deacons. Yeah. The name yes. Roger Deacon's podcast. The Roger Deacon's podcast. Yeah. I was just listening to one about like being an operator versus a DP versus like working with directors that want to operate a shot. You know what I mean? And it's like having to be like this team lead where like maybe you're not even opting the shoot. You're like just a DP. Yeah. Which is crazy because I've never done that before. Have you ever done that before? Just DP? Just DP, not even operated. Not oh, yeah. a DP op. You're oh, yeah. just a DP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have. Okay, oh, yeah. I, I've never done that before. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'm always either DP opping or just opping. Really? And so it's like I've never done that before and like- I very rarely DP and op oh, at the really? same time. Yeah. Well, just because I, just because I direct DP- so much that Got like it. I don't I'm not I'm not in the operator world as much. Yeah, I'll operate I'll operate for other people that DP, but most of the stuff that I strictly DP, I have a you know two or three two or three camera ops. Oh, so you're yeah. running multicam as well? Yeah, usually. Yeah, the, uh, because of the director that I DP for doesn't even know what a one camera shoot is. Like all multicam, all multicam every time stuff, and not even not even. It, and it's not like it's not studio like TV kind of stuff either. It's yeah. just like we're trying to get through this day. So instead of two doing lens changes, takes. let's just yeah. Instead of doing multiple, we have a tight takes, medium wide. Yeah, exactly. I have a tight medium and a wide. Yeah. Wow. So I end up being ultimately a multicam director. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Really. You're set. You're you're calling shots on light, and that's and why I have to have a. Monitor. That's why I have to have a strong gaffer with that stuff too. Yes, is because I need to be able to set that 
and yeah. have somebody else watch it. Yeah. Because I've got three frames that I'm trying to make sure are all good right. and where we where we want. Yeah. I'm kind of focused more on the more more on the composition and framing more than uh, the lighting. Like I need I need I need a really strong gaffer to keep an eye on that right. during during the shot. Do which is one thing I've really noticed about Pop Fizz. Your guys' lighting looks incredible. Yeah, man. Like it, like every because a lot of stuff you guys do is high key. Because yeah. it's because it's TV. Yes, but like light and airy, baby. Light and airy. But every time I watch it, I'm like, that does not look sourcey and unmotivated. Yeah, which a lot of people mistake for high key. Mm-hmm. Not the same thing. Like you, right. it's just like poorly lit at that point. Yeah, we have a we have a good eye for sourcey. We've got yeah. a, a, we've we've we index very very well towards uh towards motivated light. Yeah. And soft and rappy kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, and it looks great. Yeah, it looks wonderful. It's like the the commercial look. Yes, it it is, and it's the way to almost like get the the cinematic feel without betraying what it really needs to be. Also, exactly. Like it still needs to get the point across of being and grab the attention of the viewer. Yes. W- yeah. Yeah. W- without. Yeah. And and being. And that's all well and good, and and where it's hard is in your wides. Like that's where yes. stuff that's where stuff starts to get trickier because you can't bring a soft light in eight inches from their face and have an egg fill on the other side. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And you also can't have a condor outside the window with a with a twenty by right. You know. Right. On it too. So there's there's like our wides are where we have to really pay a lot of attention. But right. that's why with these, and that's another thing about having three cameras that are shooting you have to light for all of them you have to light yeah and so you well you pretty much have to light for the wide right you know because and then let the other two kind of find the best home they can for composition that aggregates between composition and lighting right yeah wow and do you do you ever i'm sure you do but like is it a common thing for you guys to shoot the multicam and then go just back in with cam three that's on an 85 sure and and sweeten up the, the, the close up I'll uh 50 50 a lot of that stuff too so mm. like I'll I'll roll while the talent doesn't know that we're that we're filming yeah. I'll grab stuff between takes on the long lens art departments in the background moving some shit around and I'm trying to but get, it's tight so it's tight yeah. I don't see them so I'm 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 grabbing one more take of right can you can you reach over and grab that again right you know what I mean I can get my camera in the Little wide inserts. at that point you yes. know what I mean I can get yeah, my yeah. tight camera in it, Walk it in and walk it, it in yeah. and, and do it in between takes. That's a good Smart. way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Smart. Yeah. I like that. Dude, let's work together. Dude, let's freaking do it. We, we tried tr- to do it last week. We did try to do it last week. I couldn't get my ass to LA. <laughs> <laughs> but now that that shoe got moved. Yeah. We can freaking do it. I think we can. Dude. Dude, I'm so glad you came and did this. It was super Me fun. Me too. This is awesome. And uh, let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Next time, next time I'm in... I'm in Knoxville. We'll we'll talk about an update on if I still hate the union. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That sounds good. And also, I'll talk to my realtor buddy, and we'll start looking for houses for you here. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> oh god. You better start looking for a job for me too. <laughs> I got you, dude. Thanks again for doing this. Super of course, fun. man. Right. Thanks for having me on. You got it. All right. All right. How'd we do? Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging with us. 
follow us on Instagram at South of Scruffy. Send us an email, southofscruffy at gmail.com. And get with us on Patreon if you want to support the show. Patreon.com slash South of Scruffy. Thanks so much for being here. Love you all. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you in a week, all right? Pitch wire, play me out. <laughs>